Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started kirk is an industrial internet of things pioneer and a ceo at pinnacle rock consulting and for the recent 5 years he was a ceo of freewave technologies in the interview kirk shares strategies for turning around companies from challenging the status quo to fostering belief in new visions his knack of spotting untapped potential and creating actionable plans is showcased through impactful examples which he shared in the interview he navigates the delicate task of convincing founders to embrace change and to overcome their emotional attachments to what is not working hi kurt welcome to the choosing leadership podcast thanks for having me it's a pleasure to have you here with us today Can you begin by sharing a bit of who you are and what do you do today? Yeah, I'm Kirk Biles. I'm a 25-year executive in the technology world. Done a lot with large companies, but of late mostly small medium businesses that are looking to either exit or get themselves back on their feet from maybe falling a little bit behind the technology world. So that's more or less what i've been doing for any number of years of late and now i'm consulting for technology companies focus on the smb market 50 to 100 million dollar companies that are maybe struggling a little bit to find their next market or technology and oftentimes folks can't see the forest through the trees and that's where i come in is mm. take a look at what they're doing and try and come up with some unique ideas to solve their problems Yeah. What's your backstory? How did you get started? How did you get into turnarounds or <laughs> <laughs> My background sort of uh, it's a funny start in technology. I won't go too far back, but I was uh, 25 years ago I lucked into a job working for a Cisco Systems distributor just as the dot bomb was taking off and I really didn't know much about technology. I had a bit of a computer background. how they worked and everything but I didn't really understand all this stuff and 
I just got really interested in how businesses were run and working for a distribution company. I got to see a lot of different companies trying to figure out how to make networking go and work. And from that, I fell into some wireless technologies and took, helped take the company public. And from there, I really started to understand businesses get caught up in their own momentum and oftentimes uh, can't get out of their own way. And that's what really started to interest me along the way. I was with Motorola for about six years running their broadband group, their channels worldwide. And Motorola couldn't get out of their way. We actually realized that the Motorola partners were not going to get us where we wanted to go. So we started a whole independent channel within the group that really took off. And that was when I noticed that I loved the idea of solving these problems and working with other companies. So I took an opportunity with Motorola to go with one of their investments to a small startup that was out of the UK and help them prepare for an acquisition, which Motorola eventually did buy them after a couple, three years. And that was it for me. I really, I didn't want to go back to Motorola, the big M. Well, I jumped to a smaller startup and they were having issues and I helped them get to the next level, went to the next one after that, the next one after that, and eventually ended up at Freeway where they were being picked up by actually their private equity firm was selling off their fund and they needed to revitalize their revenue streams and marketing. So I came in and helped out with them and then stuck around when the new owners came in and picked up the company and I was promoted to CEO. And that was everything coming in at once. This was an old 29 year old company stuck in the past, wanting to be in the future. And we took some time, put a real good five-year plan in place and got us into this sensing solutions and SaaS world after about four years. And, you know, yeah. like I then left and started doing some consulting on the sides yeah. and quite a ride. And I really enjoy what I do. Absolutely. It must be. And I do want to talk about how companies get in their own way, as you say, but yeah. before that, what, uh, what is it about you that attracted or pulled you towards these? Because Many of these companies already have leaders. Many of these companies already have people who are struggling to make progress or to make forward movement. What is it about you that, first of all, makes you curious and then makes you successful towards achieving this one, not just once, but multiple times? I've often wondered about why I like to do these, take on these challenges. Usually it's, I like the technology. I'll do a deep dive on the companies. And I know I can bring some value. So I like to get in, look under the covers, and then really start coming up with a plan on how to move the company forward and then executing on that plan. And that takes a fair bit of getting to know people in the company, working with the leaders in the company. Of one, I'm usually one of the leaders that come in. But yeah, there's CEOs and CFOs that I need to work with closely. And oftentimes that will equate to working with underlings for everybody, trying to build a relationship with folks that maybe haven't worked with someone like myself. They might be in operations or in finance. They want to know why they're talking to the VP of sales or a consultant 
And, you know, that, that takes a little bit. And it also takes a lot of working with these folks. So they respect me, trust me, and uh, can see a future somewhere out mm-hmm. there that's different than what they're seeing today. And I like to be involved. I like my fingers touching a lot of aspects of any of the companies I'm in. So I understand what's going on. And at a CEO level, I think that's incredibly important to make sure you, you realize you've got all these departments and department heads, and you've got to rely on those folks, but you also need to know what's going on at a micro level with individuals, especially if it's a large company like Motorola, it's impossible, but an SMB with couple hundred people, you can certainly get to know all your senior level people, your mid-level people, and uh, quite a few of the others along the way pretty well. And that's how I keep the balls in the air is making sure I'm aware of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure like doing a turnaround will involve at some point of time, some decisions which are not popular. And especially if you're new, if you're talking to people who are like old or set in their old ways, how do you navigate that relationship? With people, how do you navigate that? Maybe a sense of suspicion towards you and build trust and then not just build trust, but also to take them along with you on a ride in a trustful and a collaborative way. It is pretty difficult and there's, there is a lot of distrust early on, but it's taking the time, usually a month or two or three even to understand the business, the people running it, what's working, what isn't, and then Socializing a plan, getting input and then putting a plan in place, whether it's a five slide PowerPoint or a hundred slide PowerPoint, it doesn't really matter. It's just got to be cohesive and believable. And then you need to really work with the people to pull them along. And oftentimes people want, they want the plan. They want a vision that says we're doing this and this is how we're going to get there. And here's timelines. And there's a lot of people that, like you said, don't want to come along. And now those are hard decisions to make. Can you make these people believe and want to be a part of the new company to be, or do you need to make a change? I've had both numerous times where we've just looked at what was going on and said, this is just untenable or bleeding every which way to Sunday. We need to stop the bleeding. Here's how we're going to do it. And a lot of people saying, Hey, it's never going to work. You don't know what you have to do. We or I have had to have those tough conversations, get on board, or mm-hmm. I need you to think about your next opportunity. And I'd say it's 50-50 when it comes to folks like that, that will start listening and start paying attention. We'll give it a, a modest or a really big effort to see if maybe they were wrong and I was right. And more times than not, it's worked out. So I think when it, as a leader, you need to provide folks a vision. That's believable. You can't, I, I really drives me crazy when you see people go, like, we're going to, we're a hundred million dollars today and five years, we're going to be a billion dollars. It's nobody believes that anymore, unless you, the craziest game changing technology in the world. That's really a difficult thing for a, an SMB that's maybe five, 10, 20 years old to make people believe. But if you put a real plan in place, if people you know, hows, the whys, where we're going to go and drive that home with some wins and real action, people become believers and they want to be a part of something that they can believe in and move forward. And that's a real 
can be a real challenge sometimes. Right now I'm working with a small technology company that it's six years old. They've not had one year in the black. They just keep raising money. And the money people are like, this is nuts. We can't keep giving you funds if you're not going to commercialize this product. And that's where I came in. I just looked under the covers for a couple, three weeks, made some suggestions, continued to probe and realized we had a real problem at a senior level on the technology side where, you know, he just really wanted to be a scientist and mm. we needed someone that was going to take the technology to go to market, commercialize it and get it out really fast. And so we did make a change, you know, it, and it was a good change to make six years at this and no commercialized product available. This wasn't brain surgery, but I wanted to see where he was coming from and definitely has made a change in the company. And as we start putting real plans in place, you can see the 12 other individuals in this little startup, six-year-old startup, starting to take the notice and react and really start driving towards this end goal of getting a product in front of people that they can utilize and it will make their tech, their own technologies that much better. And it's not that difficult. It just took someone from the outside to look in and go, this has got to change. Yeah. 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 What else do you see, right? When you even go into a company as a consultant, what are some of those patterns that you see maybe which show up as red flags? in front of you, but can also deliver some like quick and easy wins if you can have people convinced or get them moving in that direction. It's really funny. I've got a background in, in fiction writing. And one of the things my professors always said was, you've got these things in your stories that you think are just sacred. You, you can't, that's the best sentence you've ever written in your life for this. And They've always said, you get rid of those things. If you find something that's just sacred in your writing and the holiest of holy, at least you believe, kill it off and start over again, because that's usually hindering the rest of it. And I've found many times going into these companies that they all have some sort of holy grail that can't be touched or a customer that's mm. so big, we don't want to upset the apple cart and they bend over backwards to do Weird things for maybe a CEO or a CFO has got a customer they absolutely love or a technology they think is going to change the world, but hasn't produced a single bit of revenue, but they're pouring millions into it. And I'll often go in and can see what they can't and understand that they are very reluctant to make any of these changes. Again, pulling them along with what could happen, what would happen if you did get rid of this customer or you changed the way you handled this customer. In a previous life, a company I worked with, you know, did a lot of work with John Deere to the tune of about 20, 25% of their revenue was John Deere every year. And John Deere basically told them what they were going to sell it for, what, how they were going to handle new product introductions, all of these things that people were jumping through all sorts of hoops whenever John Deere would talk and you understood why, but it hindered all the future development of the product lines and they get moving and then they have to stop to go do the John Deere work. And it became clear that we needed to handle John Deere a lot better. The sales guys were 
running around panicking and the product managers were panicking, but to actually say, hey, look, let's get a real sit down with John Deere. Where are they going in the next five years? And how can we build their desired roadmap into our existing roadmap or branch off a bit, but let's not go through these cycles, panic and distraction. And we got there. John Deere's a reasonable company and smart people. And they understood once we had the discussion of, hey, this is really affecting us. How do we move forward with you guys? And all of a sudden they opened the kimono to their plans for the future, what was happening, how we were going to fit in. And it became so much more collaborative than it had ever been in the past 15 years that all of a sudden we were able to move the ball forward with all the other projects we had and keep John Deere very happy. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that example. And, and the second thing which you mentioned, a love for a technology. I think that's even something which people can be like emotionally attached to. And many times that love or that passion is uh, like a beginning point or the source of where the company started in the first place, right? And how do you navigate those conversations, especially as a consultant, right? Because you are an outsider, they still have to hire you. How do you, how do you navigate these conversations? Because it can get, or, or let's say the founders can take it personally, right? It's their identity mixed up with the technology or their passion. So can you shed some light on that? Yeah, I've worked with any number of founders, CEO, chairman of the board, that these are their babies. And to someone to tell you that your baby's looking pretty shabby doesn't often go over well. So it's a, really a matter of taking the analytical approach of what is going on in the company, what is going on with the competition, what is going on in the market, and not coming straight out and saying, hey, you've got a real dog here. You, you better keep, do something. But to go out and say, hey, you've got a, a going concern a great company, but it can be better. Let's look at what the competition's doing. Let's look at where the market's going. Why don't we take a look at how we can evolve or maybe just address some of the things that are not happening in the company to get it more up to speed with what's happening in the marketplace. It was with a company a few years back, one of the best technologies I've ever worked with. And I just couldn't believe that they were still making hardware to get their software. And it was just off the shelf cots, mm -hmm. radios, Wi-Fi modules, but the software that was being loaded on was fantastic. And they were building a product that was incredibly expensive. It was rugged, but it just couldn't, they couldn't get out of their own way. They took one vertical market and said, this is where we play. And I looked at it and said, the real value here is the software. And we need to figure out a way to get this onto other people's hardware. And eventually the CTO agreed with me and was very excited. What are we going to do? The CEO was still very much in this, we're a hardware company, not a software company. We went out and found two anchor customers, Stanley Black and Decker and the NFL that took basically the software loaded it onto their own hardware and we're just paying licensing fees. And it opened up an entirely new market for the company 
that they didn't have to build everything themselves. People can build products much better than most small companies. These larger companies can do quite a bit. And that was the, the first introduction for them to, oh my gosh, we can have a whole new business here where we're just going out selling OEM software. Yeah. And that was really encouraging. Once we got there, but it took a little while to get there. <laughs> yeah. So I do speak to a lot of startup founders and entrepreneurs. And many times they are so deep into the business or their operations that they don't have that capacity to zoom out and like to, to think differently mm -hmm. like you are giving in this example. So for your career, for your leadership, how have you built this ability to be zoomed in when required, but then also zoom out and say, maybe there's a whole different opportunity which could be waiting for us. How have you built that capacity for yourself? It, it started... A long time ago, when I was getting into the wireless world, I didn't really understand that very much, but it just intrigued me to no end. All the various forms and ways, and frequencies, whatever it may be, light and radio. And I started really digging into it. And I got one of my good friends at the time at one of these companies was a senior systems engineer. And I had to go out to these really remote areas and nobody wanted to ever go with me. So he came with me once and showed me how to do all the engineering craziness. And so I started going out to the tops of mountainsides with an, someone from AT&T to fix a radio or re, you know, do all these things. I just kept getting more and more interested in how people did things. And, and it, lots of times it makes sense to me. I'd be like, why are you trying to do it with Wi-Fi or why are you trying to use a laser? And to better understand that, I would dig a little farther and try and come up with ways to succeed in an application. And I think that was really my first foray into looking at people's businesses and what they're doing and saying, is there a better way? Is there something more profitable? What are the assets really inside the company and how do we get get them released and making money. I think a lot of CEOs and founders, as you said, just start getting more and more tunnel vision. Yeah. And especially if they're having more difficult times, instead of looking out and how they can change their business for the better or monetize something, the panic starts to to erode their confidence and they go, okay, we do this really well. Let's just keep doing this. And I come in and look at it and go, okay, yeah, you that will make you some money for a while, but you're going to, you're not going to last. It's not a sustainable business. What else can we do? What do you have that's valuable? Is it a customer base? Is it the technology, some patents? Is it the people inside the company? Oftentimes it is the people and they, they're loyal to the CEO and founder. They want to do whatever it takes, but it often just takes someone like myself to come in and say, Hey, let's consider going in this direction. Let's build this type of a software. Let's move this into the cloud or, Hey, this is a piece of hardware we could offshore to the Philippines and make it for 90% less than we're building it here with screwdrivers and soldering irons. So it's that inquisitiveness on my end, I believe that has been the most advantageous for me in my career. And then the ability to, once the idea is fully baked, to go back into the senior leadership of the company and get buy-in 
and then take that and move it down through the layers so people know what they're getting into, why we're doing something, and get them to believe that this is the way, the path forward. And as we said, sometimes some folks are just don't believe it and run away or leave. But oftentimes, like we said, it's people want to have a vision, believe in it, and realize the path forward. I think it's really detrimental when you see folks not provide that vision of here's the way we're going to do it. Here's step one, here's step 100. And we've got to do these in these timeframes to make things work. And there's, you're juggling a lot of balls along the way, yeah. all working together. You start seeing one or two things fall into place and it's five and six, and that's 20 and 30. Yeah. And people are on board and that's, you know, and there's certainly failures as well. But I've had more success than failures along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of vision, right? Now you're trying to do something different. So instead of joining another setup, you're opening up your own consultancy. Can you share what is your vision now and what challenges do you see ahead for yourself? Uh, it's so fun. I was, uh, you know, sort of like I've gone through the process with working with other people or at companies. I wanted to take a couple months to see where I fit in the world and whose interest can I garner? And it's been really, really fun. So the two companies I'm working with today are tech companies. And my vision for them was both are, you know, one's six years old, one's 20 years old. And the 20 year old company can't seem to get over $10 million in revenue. And the, the six year old company doesn't make any revenue. But for me, it's how do I help them get to the other side? How do I get them in a growth mode again or for the first time? And how do I deliver on that? And it's been very interesting as I put together plans for both companies, strategy and executables, and we're moving forward with both right now, which is really interesting as I'm I am a consultant. I don't have to follow their nine to five rules or whatever there. I'm involved at the same time. I can check out to do other things. And so my vision is to have two to four clients at any one time working at us with the senior teams, typically putting, putting what we've talked about, looking under the covers, looking for other ways to go about driving these businesses. And, and then exiting the one startup is they really want to exit with a hundred million dollar valuation, everybody's goal. And I'm like, you've got to have some revenue before you can really, they got a lot of patents, but <laughs> you don't have any revenue. So I'm like, this is what we'll do. We'll, we'll put this together. We'll by January one, we'll have the beta product out and folks will be ready to go in 2020. 2026, you can start thinking of a potential exit. And, and that's nice. I've got some shares in the company. And then the other company that I'm working with, same thing. They have great technology. They just haven't grown, just stagnant. And it's probably the founders blinders are on. He thinks here's what we're going to do. And this is how we do it. And, but he hasn't been able to grow. And I believe now there's an opportunity for the company to really take off if they go about doing 
X, Y, and Z, changing their technology a bit, being a little bit more partner-centric. They were taking on a lot of stuff themselves, which they couldn't handle. So just getting them into the carrier market and some of that has been very helpful for them. They, mm. The heavy lift isn't so much on them anymore. And that's been yeah. great. For me, I'd like to I'd like to dip into some other markets. Technology's been fun, but I would like to see what else is going on out there. A good friend of mine was the CEO for a number of years in technology, and now he's a CEO of a packaging company, which funny enough, uses a ton of technology, but it's, he's super happy. He loves the, the pace of things. I'm like, okay, I would, should look into some of these other opportunities that are out. Yeah. 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 And what do you see as your own biggest pain point or challenge, especially as a consultant, right? It's very different than being a CEO or having a senior leadership role in a company. So what is presenting itself as a big challenge or a pain point? I think the challenge is, and it's going to be this way, I think, throughout the consultant is coming in as an outsider and getting the senior management to buy in to what I'm spouting and making them believe. And then the execution, once, once they bought in, it, it's hard. It's almost like I have to work with each individual at a senior level to say, okay, you're the VP of sales or the chief revenue officer. This is what you have been doing. This is where we need to go. Or you've got the head of engineering that's oftentimes very much, I decide what the customer wants. We're going to build this versus, hey, let's, did anybody do some market research? Let's take a look at, does this have legs or not? And then let's go in a new direction. So it's, that convincing of people that I do believe I know what I'm doing, that I can help across the board in the company. But if you don't have buy-in from just one leader in the company, everything can fall apart. If you have just one person whispering in the ear of the chairman or the CEO saying, this is stupid, this is irrational, or then you can only live with that for so long before you either tell this, that individual, hey, you got to go or jump on board or lead yourself if it's just becoming too much. But I think that's, in my case, I like that about the consulting side of things. I can say it's not working out. I'm going to say goodbye and be off where when I was working for various companies, I was truly invested in these things. So I would often grind much harder than I I probably should have because I wanted to see the success on the other side mm -hmm. and I believed in it. So now, if, you know, I would fight internally these battles as an employee and now as a consultant, I don't have to fight those battles. I, I can suggest, I can tell leadership what I believe needs to happen. I can push and pull, but it's not my company. So if you don't want to listen. That's fine too. And we separate ways and I go find another job with somebody else. But yeah, it's been a really an interesting piece of my life right now in the last few months mm. of just going about, because I am, I, I get deeply involved. Mm. I like these two companies that I'm working with today a lot. 
I know they can get to the other side. One, I don't question the commitment. The other, I do question the leadership commitment to change. Lots of very satisfied people have been there for a very long time. And my, my goal isn't to get rid of folks, but at the same time, if you don't change the way things are moving, you won't see the change you need to happen. People are just stuck in their ways. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for adding that perspective. I think the positive side also that you are your own, on your own right now and you can choose to be free, a bit detached. Or, so that allows you to be more open and more direct, maybe in your advice yeah. or in your feedback. And yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. I'm doing some interviews just after this with a really funky company that's crushing it in their market, which is retrofitting industrial sites. I know nothing about hmm. retrofitting industrial sites, but they want someone to come in and look at the business with a whole different perspective. And they've had various consultants along the way, helping them out, and which were all in the marketplace. They knew industrial manufacturing and retrofit. Now they're looking for someone like myself to say, hey, where else can we go with this technology? We're doing the same thing we've done since 2003. What, where else can we go? What can we do? And yeah. it should be very interesting. I would enjoy giving that a whirl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Since your career has been like a lot with sales and marketing, mm -hmm. even now we have spoken about growing revenues or becoming profitable. Before we end, can you maybe shed some light on what a healthy like sales setup looks like? Because I see often the sales side of things either ignored, like totally ignored, or it's there, but it's dysfunctional. So maybe can you share your expertise on what is the yeah. healthy element? And how do you help people or companies change? It's really interesting. Every, as, let me back up, as I've been involved in a number of wireless established wireless companies, as well as startup wireless companies, there's variations of go-to-market that need to happen. Sometimes it's straightforward and easy, go build a channel, get this technology out in the world, get the certifications, hire good people. That's very easy. The harder part is an established company that's been doing, like you said, they're just going along puttering and how do you change things? What do you see that can make a difference? And an example of that, I came on board at a company as the global VP of sales and marketing. The team had been there for about five years. Revenues had been going down steadily for four. It was very, I went in the first week I was there. I couldn't find any of the salespeople, couldn't get them on the phone. And I realized they were all down in Texas at the same event talking to the same customers, doing, basically not doing anything, having a nice time and nobody was really managing. So I started, I broke that down and said, Hey, we're going to do things differently. Now you're getting territories, not customers. You're going to build this up. Basically stretched, you know, stretched them really a long way. And a couple of them quit. They didn't want to work so hard. A couple others gave it a whirl. They couldn't get there, but eventually it required replacing everybody on that team, sales team, the inside sales team, the marketing team. And it wasn't that I didn't, I gave everybody an opportunity. Most people left. They were, had, they had really cushy jobs and it was nice for them. So mm -hmm. oftentimes it takes a bit 
to, it can be the people, it can be the product. You just got to figure it out and then make those changes along the way as, as difficult as they may be, everything's a little bit different. So you've got to figure out your go-to-market strategy, what's going to, ha- what's going to work, what can work. Sometimes it's direct sales. I did a lot of work for, in the federal DOD space over my career, totally different beasts when it comes to how you go about it. You get that first opportunity and then you've got to make sure you dot all the I's, cross the T's and you go to bids and this and that and the other thing. But a lot of folks have great technology have never been in the federal space. So when it comes time to like saying, hey, here's a, um, a market that's massive that you fit right into, they don't want to go there. It's too much paperwork or it just doesn't get them where they want to be. But oftentimes you just have to push and say, this is how you grow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts and sharing your story with us. Thank and, you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, before we end, if somebody is listening and wants to reach out to you or we find out more about you, what do you, what would you suggest is the best way for them to do? Or maybe if you can recommend a book around or some other resources around like what we have been talking about. Yeah. If someone wants to get in touch with me, LinkedIn's probably easiest. I'm one of the few Kirk Biles out there. Yeah. And I pay pretty good attention to that. Books and things that I'm reading right now. Gosh, I just finished. What's the name of that book? Ah, I can't remember it. I've, I'll have to get back to you with that. But it's, you're always reading. I've, as a guy that loves fiction, I was a great book by Elizabeth Westover, I think. It's called Educated. And it's a memoir, but I really enjoyed the way she described her childhood and how she grew up and how she now is living. Really, as we discussed all these things and change and all, she had to go through all sorts of like her familial belief systems, understand it wasn't getting her to where she wanted to be in her life, change, and then struggle for the remainder of her life. She still struggles. Mm -hmm half of her family who didn't believe in what she was doing. And then the other half of her family who also went through those changes. And it's a really a great book. It's pretty quick read, educated by Elizabeth. I think it's Elizabeth Westover. Yeah, Westover's right for sure. But yeah, great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, thank you for sharing everything that you shared. I will make sure that I will include the name of the book, the correct author and <laughs> profile with it. I think I've heard right. of the book. I have not certainly not read it, but I think you're touching upon a very interesting thing, right? That your whole career has been about change, not just dealing right. with change, but leading change or helping others people change. And it's, and many times, right? So fiction can be a source of those insights or those moments of growth for yourself, which allows you to then lead others in a better way. So that's such a wonderful insight. And I think a wonderful place to close our conversation today. Thank you. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Sure was. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride, and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. 
If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.